This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, February 15th, 2022, on your public radio station, KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media. I'm Kyle Kellums. On our show today, work to build up a talent pool in northwest Arkansas. The Music Education Initiative is hosting workshops to help people with entry-level skills that can be turned into jobs behind the scenes in the music and entertainment industries. Executive Director and Co-Founder Orson Weems will tell us more in about four minutes. And later, in our second half hour, more idiom origins with our militant grammarian. If I tell you that something really got my goat, am I worried about farm theft? That's later this hour. Governor Asa Hutchinson is asking the state legislature to provide more money for state law enforcement personnel and to invest in the future of transportation. The governor delivered his final State of the State speech yesterday to a joint session of the legislature as the current fiscal session began. The governor says he wants the session to be remembered as doing much for law enforcement in the state as possible. Because of your advocacy and hard work, I'm able to announce my support for the $5,000 one-time payment to every county and city certified law enforcement officer. It should cover other frontline certified officers as well. The governor says the payments, totaling about $45 million, will come from the state's record surplus at the end of the fiscal year. He also wants the state to think about the future of mobility. By focusing on the future of advanced mobility. Yes, advanced mobility. This focus includes autonomous vehicles, upward mobility platforms, electric vehicles, and modes of transportation that do not exist today but could be the dream of an Arkansas student right now. The governor also asked the legislature to support his plan to add nearly 500 beds to a state prison near Calico Rock at a cost of between 60 and $100 million, also from the state surplus. His request was interrupted yesterday by protesters. Critics have said the money could be better spent on matters like pre-K funding to help reduce long-term incarceration. The governor says his plan for more prison beds does not reflect a change of incarceration policy, but says it is based on expected population growth. After the protesters were led away from the gallery in the Capitol and exited the building, there was some physical confrontation between protesters and police, and at least some of the protesters were arrested. Another high count of fatal cases in yesterday's report from the Arkansas Department of Health regarding COVID-19. There are 32 newly confirmed deaths, bringing the past three-day total of newly counted deaths to 120. There are 834 new cases in the report and almost 3,000 fewer active cases and 10 fewer hospitalizations. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences will use a $10 million grant from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to fund more COVID-19 outreach services across the state. UAMS announced this morning it will use the grant to mobilize and deploy community health workers and others to support specialists in the most vulnerable and medically underserved parts of the state. The grant is part of a $66.5 million portion of the American Rescue Plan designated to eight grantees to expand COVID-19 outreach efforts in 38 states and the District of Columbia. And the latest talk business and politics Hendricks College poll shows GOP gubernatorial candidate Sarah Huckabee Sanders with a 10-point lead over a generic Democrat in the race to replace outgoing Governor Asa Hutchinson. The poll, 
of 961 likely Arkansas voters was conducted before talk show host Doc Washburn announced he was considering a run for the Republican nomination. There are five Democrats who've indicated they'll file for their party's nomination. The poll places Sanders with 43.5% of respondents' support, a generic Democrat with 34%, any possible third-party candidate with about 7.5%, and 15% of those polled say they don't know where their allegiance would go. This is Ozarks at Large. As northwest Arkansas's population continues to grow, the discussions of the region's labor force intensify. The Northwest Arkansas Council continues to seek additional training of current residents and recruiting new workers for industries experiencing labor shortages. The recently established Music Education Initiative is working to train more people for behind-the-scenes jobs in the entertainment and music industries. Thursday evening, the group will host a workshop. Yesterday, Orson Weems, the executive director and co-founder of the Music Education Initiative, came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. He says the formation of the group, created with Greg Thompson, came during the pandemic, and one of the first goals was to create virtual content from professionals. Music or business career development educators uh, hear firsthand accounts, firsthand stories, testimonials from professionals Uh, If it were a musician, an artist, if it were a production manager, anybody involved with music and entertainment, we would have literally a real uh, well-known or renowned or someone that was very good at what they were doing in the music and entertainment industry create uh, a five to seven minute video where we would say, well, here's their introduction to how they got involved with even choreographing for, say, somebody like Usher. I got into this for, uh, this is how I wasn't expecting to do it, but had I known about it at an earlier stage in uh, either in school or during my career, this is what led to it. Sometimes we found that it was necessity that put a lot of these well-known people in these positions because somebody either left for something else, someone got sick, someone got injured on the side, <laughs> and they had got put into the position. And so they got this experience. So what we were doing, uh, especially during COVID, we were looking at creating these videos that we would put on a secure server or, con- or portal that we could create, share with educators to start educating people about different careers in the music and entertainment business. Uh, our mission says that we engage, educate, and elevate and prepare the next generations of professionals in the business of music and entertainment. You and I are talking just hours after a magnificent halftime show at the Super Bowl right. that indicates there are a lot of jobs in music. I mean, you don't put something on like, and everything isn't, of course, a halftime show at the Super Bowl. Yes. But you're looking at the sets, the, the lights, the sound. Sound, everything. I mean, uh, we were in one of our production classes that we just had Thursday night uh, at the Arkansas Arts Academy High School in Rogers. Uh, Our facilitator instructor for that is Ozark Production Services, Andy Green and Alan Chapman. 
they wanted to work with us and said, we can help you with at least two workshops. And they were talking about some of the things that people don't think about would be the tour manager or the production manager needs to know and talk to the energy companies, the power companies, say, I need this much power to do this. And I reminded them, I said, it was only a few years ago that the power went out at the Super Bowl in New Orleans. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, so they have to know all these things. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that That's at right. All. That's right. Well, I, something about since you mentioned the Super Bowl, I just saw an article this morning uh, that uh, the choreography for that was done by an African-American woman from Arkansas. I did not know I, that. I just got the article. I, I was coming here to get to you, so I didn't get to read the full article. It just, I just show it, saw it in a news blip, so I'll send that to you. You mentioned workshops. There's another one coming up Thursday night. There is. We're, we're glad to partner with and another relationships that we've done over the years, relationships with the um, University of Arkansas Department of Music. And, and uh, we've spoken to them, Dr. Amains, Dr. Hunters, and Herzog. We, we love Herzog. We call Dr. Jake, mm-hmm. <laughs> the guitar doctor. Uh, we told them about what we were doing, and they saw such a need. It was a, a very quick response. So we're going to have one Thursday night at 6 o'clock at the Faulkner Performing Arts Center. And again, Ozark Production Service will be facilitating this one. And again, we are looking to give basics so that some of these production companies around the region can have draw from a pool of people that have at least some training to be able to help with taking cargo or taking car- carts and cases off of trucks helping to wrap cables, and just getting safety is one of the main things that we talk about because we tell people you can't wear flip-flops to do these kind of jobs, no short pants. But the thing is is that certain age groups are hired by whichever venue it is. They have their own set of rules of who they can hire to unload because usually uh, if you do something, for instance, at the Walmart Amp, if you do a show, it's going into the late early mornings, if you will, to get the things loaded up and put back on a truck. But what we're doing is offering this workshop to give people an idea of what's exposure to certain positions and things that can come from this is when they get experience. Uh, we're going to do that again at uh, the, uh, Thursday at the Performing Arts Center, uh, Faulkner Performing Arts Center on UA's campus. Again, we just stress that it's not just high school students. It's open from uh, what we say would be juniors in high school because they're at a certain age, but mm-hmm. it goes up to anyone. We've had two people attend our workshops. They're 58, 57 years old to say they just need refresher courses because they've had they've been around some of it, but it's been a while. One guy said he's about to retire, but he wanted to have at least something to do if he heard about an event coming in uh, on the weekends or something. He can make a little money, and uh, the, this is something that's needed. And overall, Kyle, we had seen, we, GT and I had seen that the – a number of festivals and the events that are looking to burst out onto the scene in 2022 is much more than there are bodies to help put these productions on. Is this the sort of thing, I mean, as people want to have festivals and they want to come here, they would like to know that there is a big enough talent pool to pull from. So this can sort of be cyclical. The more people that know how to do these things, the more likely we are to get more people wanting to do things? Absolutely. What we've seen is that this, in our studies and research, this is economic development. And it's, a, it's as not as a large of an 
economic development factor that some people would think about because this is behind the scenes. A lot of people really don't think about it until they just want to see the end result, which is the glitz and the glamour, the something, the something shiny and the performances. But as you said, the Super Bowl, uh, that's the big stage. I mean, that's a major, that's one of the largest productions you're going to see. Right. Uh, from everything from the the video guys to the all the grippers and the things that have to set up to build the, to build that set is a lot of things and that, then take it down in, in, in minutes yes in yes. minutes it's crazy the, 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 the covering of the turf and all of this and so you see that but it will draw but this is an economic factor because we it's a need you could talk to any production company any venue here in Norfolk, Arkansas you'll see that they'll say, yeah, we could use some more bodies. So if there's a need for it, that means they're going to pay for somebody to help them. That goes from any Walton Arts Center that goes to uh, the momentary, any of these folks, that goes to, uh, I understand, a lot of uh, corporate meetings and productions behind that, especially with the likes of Walmart and its vendors and the folks that support uh, Walmart uh, to get things out. They have these meetings, and this all has to be production and there's something behind it to make the sound right. And, I mean, there, I understood during the snow that we had a, a week before last is that there was uh, uh, basically two sets built at David Glass Technology Center so they could do some kind of meetings that they had wow. for Walmart to begin the year with. And it's just there were not enough people. So the owners of these companies are doing it. Instead of focusing on trying to get more work, they're out on the job themselves doing this. So they want to train. They want to help us. And they've said, uh, you guys have really come on to something that can help. And with this economic development, because we see if you can put people to work, if we can start getting five and ten people hired. We've already gotten people hired from our from only having done two workshops. People wow. are getting calls already because they need the work. And so they get that hands-on experience. They can get some calls. They can get into a, our, our database that we can share with the local production companies. And it's just really something that we wanted to share back with the community. Orson Weems is the executive director and co-founder of the Music Education Initiative. He visited the Carver Center for Public Radio yesterday. You can find out more about the organization and Thursday evening's workshop at the Faulkner Performing Arts Center on the U of A campus by going to musiceducationinitiative.org. And there's much more ahead for the Music Education Initiative, including delivering an exhibit from the Mid-America Art Alliance to the 214 venue in downtown Springdale. It's called The Cast of Blues. Later this hour, we'll hear more about that from Orson. Also later this hour, another new music endeavor, KUAF's performance and podcast, The Lunch Hour, will have a third installment this Friday in the KUAF lobby. We'll get ready for the performance from Amore by hearing part of the conversation that accompanied last month's performance featuring music from Mia Jeldum and food from Mockingbird Kitchen. That's still to come on today's Ozarks at Large. Do not lose your hope. The Lunch Hour, KUAF's monthly concert and podcast series, is back with a performance by Mia Jeldum and lunch from Mockingbird Kitchen. You can watch this month's podcast on KUAF's YouTube page. And watch out for February's concert featuring Amore and Lunch from Secondhand Smoke. Coming up February 18th here at KUAF. The Lunch Hour is sponsored by George's Majestic Lounge. 
speaking of music, did you know KUAF provides 24 hours a day of classical music on KUAF2? You can get KUAF2 for free in a variety of ways. You can ask your smart speaker to please play KUAF2. You can tune it in on your HD radio at home or in your car. You can go to KUAF.com and find the KUAF2 free stream or just download the free KUAF app and listen that way. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, presenting Ozark Mountain Daredevils and Black Oak, Arkansas, in concert at the Auditorium in Eureka Springs, Friday, April 22nd. A limited number of reserved seat tickets go on sale this Friday morning at 10 a.m. Tickets will be available online at tickets.thundertix.com. This is Ozarks at Large. A new talk business and politics Hendricks College poll gives high approval ratings to Governor Asa Hutchinson, continues to show Republican gubernatorial candidate Sarah Huckabee Sanders in the lead to replace Governor Hutchinson nine months away from Election Day. President Joe Biden received a job approval rating of 37.5% from Arkansas voters, and Senator John Bozeman received a 38% approval rating. That last number for the incumbent U.S. Senator seeking another term this November was the source for part of this week's conversation between Roby Brock from our partner Talk Business and Politics and John Brummett, a political columnist with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Roby asked John Brummett about that number. Well, I think, and correct me, uh, Bozeman's uh, approval rating within your subset of Republican voters was 61, right? Correct. See, see, here's how, where it is in Arkansas. You just got to survive. The, if you win the Republican primary, it is truly tantamount to election in statewide races. Uh, that's why that's why all the energy and, and worry out at the legislature is about protecting yourself on the right flank, such as over this abortion issue. That's the relevant number. Biden, I mean, not Biden, Bozeman uh, needs to get renominated, in which case he'll get 60 plus percent. Uh, or more, and that's 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 the that's the relevant number. Also, it is never really telling to consider John Bozeman's uh, identification rating. He, he's uh, fewer people have opinions on him than the other two because fewer people know him, which is part of his political success. He's kind of a, I, I, I think I referred yesterday to the stealth power of his. He keeps he keeps being unknown until people vote for him. And, it, uh, and, and that seems that happened in 2010 and in 2016. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that's a big deal. On the other hand, uh, Biden at 37.5, that's a known number. Uh, that's, there's not a lot of slack in that of people who don't know him. That's, that's, that's 37 is, is, is basically the uh, peak for what a de- uh, Democrats can expect to get right now. And that's toxic. The D is toxic in Arkansas for everybody, as long as we're defined by national democratic issues, and especially as long as Joe has uh, governed so far by appearing to appeal more to the progressives than to more pragmatic centrist uh, Democrats who might have some more currency in Arkansas. So that's Though they look like they're the same in terms of approval, uh, Biden's is of a higher percentage of the electorate. Biden's is real and uh, toxic for Democrats. Bozeman's is just, you know, people don't know him, but they'll probably vote for him. And all he's got to do is get out of the Republican primary. 
And I think that uh, it is safe to say we will see Joe Biden tagged on Republican campaigns from the uh, U.S. Senate race down to the Justice of the Peace races, correct? Uh, Biden, but he might he might have he, he might have to get tagged third behind Pelosi and Schumer. Uh, I mean, this it's just uh, it's it's hard for me to imagine the level of change in Arkansas politics from. Uh, from the 80s, and when I when I began covering it, when when the Democrat when the Democrats were finessing national issues and just in charge around here, uh, the level of uh, of, uh, of distrust, outright fear, among rural cons- white rural conservative voters in Arkansas of national democratic policies, which now define there is no democratic image in Arkansas. There is no democratic identity uh, that's separate from that national. There used to be. Uh, uh, there is not anymore. So, yeah, uh, Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, maybe Pelosi, then Biden, then Schumer, and uh, that's uh, that's a one-two-three that knocks out any any centrist Democrat trying to run for anything in Arkansas. I suspect. John Brummett's columns for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette can be found at ArkansasOnline.com. And there is more from the conversation with Brummett and Roby Brock, who is with our partner, Talk Business and Politics, at TalkBusiness.com. They also discuss the current legislative session in Little Rock and more. Friday, the third installment of KUAF's new music and conversation series, The Lunch Hour, will take place inside the lobby at the Carver Center for Public Radio. This month and more will provide the music and secondhand smoke will deliver the food. Doors open at noon. Space is limited. Registration and mask will be required for the show. You can find out more at KUAF.com. The Lunch Hour is sponsored by George's Majestic Lounge Happy Hour. Last month, we were treated to an in-house show from singer-songwriter Mia Jeldum. As part of each month's lunch hour session, there's also conversation recorded at the Lens Audio Studio in downtown Fayetteville that includes the month's featured artist and chef. In January, Mia Jeldum joined Mockingbird Kitchen owners Chef Chrissy Sanderson and Lee Helm, KUAF General Manager Lee Wood, and Cerinthia McLennan, creator and host of the upcoming new series on KUAF3, The Space. Lee asked Mia Jeldum what it's been like for her, a performing artist, during the nearly two-year pandemic. Nothing what I would have imagined or expected, um, but I think that's like one of life's values for me is just like take life as it comes and uh, make the best of the situation. So, um, you know, as I was telling you guys before, Arkansas was never on the map for me um, (laughs) or, you know, on my radar, but um, it's been so exciting to be here. Um, I moved here for a creative arts job um, for a little baby church plant that was just starting out in the middle of a pandemic. So everything sounded crazy. Um, (laughs) So I was like, sure, why not? It sounds right up my alley. Um, And then, yeah, I think Northwest Arkansas has just been such a amazing, like, what is the word I'm trying to use? Um, Yeah unexpected gift, I guess. Yeah. So, um, I just have gotten to know so many different creatives and, um, you walk into a coffee shop and you meet a new friend like every day. And, um, I also work for a coffee shop down, um, in Bentonville. So it's just been like a really, really unexpected 
awesome season. Um, that's all, that's and great. And despite all the stuff that's happening. Yeah. So, yeah. Good. I'm glad to hear about some bright spots. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For sure. there, there's definitely silver linings that have happened yeah. the past two years. Yeah. What? So tell me about trying to navigate a restaurant and a business and yeah, talking about, you know, sort of uh, what Mia was saying about thinking of it as an adventure or maybe rolling with the punches. I think about you yeah. a lot when yeah. she's saying that. But pivoting, I think that's, the, there that's you go. The, the term. Yeah. I don't know if I like that term, but yeah, it's a term. Um, for me, it's, you know, we've definitely, the you know, the financial side of it, you know, that's that's been crazy because we were closed, we're open, da, 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 you know, all those things. Um, you know, managing people and staff, you know, Lee can talk more about that because she definitely has, you know, the front of the house uh, part of the, you know, the restaurant, and I'm more in the back of the house. Um, you know, getting to know a lot of the, the chefs and restaurant owners that I've, I've known for a while, but we haven't really had a, you know, I don't know if this has been something that's um, galvanized us in a way, but we've been able to form alliances like the Fayetteville Restaurant Alliance, and, you know, we're, so we can help out um, employees um, who uh, are displaced because they don't have work, and mm -hmm. they can't pay the rent, they can't pay their electric bills, things like that, so that's, that's been excellent. You know, yeah. To help, to, to to be able to help the community, sort of give back. We're we're, we're tight knit, but this has definitely made it tighter. Community of restaurant owners and chefs, and the community of singers and songwriters, and uh, how has creativity sort of helped you over the last couple of years? Oh, geez. Well, I think being creative also means that you have a flexible mind, yeah. and flexibility has been the watchword for this last two years. You have to say, okay, we do it this way, but that's not working and I can't force it. So you have to be able to kind of, okay, well, we used to do it this way, so now we're gonna try it this way. And you have to be able to accept that sometimes things aren't gonna work out, but that's how learning goes, right. is that you're gonna fail, but then you know what didn't work and you try again. I tell sometimes my staff, I'm like, don't be afraid to ask for help. And if it doesn't work, tell me, because you're not helping yourself, me or the customers. So I think creativity and sense of being flexible, you know, we used to not do X, but look, X is working. Let's yeah. keep doing that. Just because it didn't work in 2019 mm -hmm. doesn't mean it isn't going to work in 2021. Right. So we've, I think that's where creativity has been good, is that it keeps you flexible, flexible state of mind. I think that's one thing we've learned for our business is we're like, well, it's snowing. Okay, we're just going to close. Yeah, you know, or we, or well, it's only so many people came to work today. How are we going to run the business? Okay, well, we're just going to keep doing that. Wow. Okay, let's make up. Let's be creative on the fly. We need it special. We need this. We need to make this work. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's creative in the sense of making things, but making things works re requires a certain amount of creativity too. Yeah, I would say, in this past two years, like create has been the only option like you you have to get creative or else you know um and so that's something I think to the benefit of my personality I've always been a little like of the wind like you know <laughs> just whatever happens happens and so I think just it's also been a like a lot of grieving as well um uh, and for me you know, I, 25, um, growing up in the digital age, you know, um, everyone has their music out online. And even during the pandemic, um, I mean, granted, I, me and my fiance wrote an EP in the middle of the pandemic, which is kind of fun, because like, what else are you supposed to do, I right, guess, other exactly. than sit there with your thoughts? So I was like, you know, we'll put this to music, I guess. Well, I feel like there are special powers that we have at this table anyway, because 
we're women. It's not just because we've survived the last two years, but we also know that the pandemic has been harder on women in a lot of ways because we're the caregivers and we're the planners and we uh, really sort of take care of so many things behind the scenes. So I would like to know how you think being a woman has helped you over the last, the hardships of the last two years. Do you see anything that you can draw from? I think as women in general, um, we are, we have to do more because we're women. So I think that, you know, that we just put our heads down and work. That's yeah. what we do, right? Um, we don't have kids. Um, I always say that my, my restaurant family are my, ki my children. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's taking care of, trying to take care of uh, your restaurant family as well. Um, but Which yeah, is a big family. It's a huge family. Larger and, than some and, most and people's And <laughs> a lot of them are adults and they have kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, I, I, I just think that um, I feel that as women we're equipped to handle I agree. I'm going to ruffle some feathers there, but I think, I think we're, we're equipped for this. I mean, it, it is a struggle, yeah. and it's been hard. I'm not going to uh, sugarcoat it or anything like that, but I think, uh, you know, I feel that as a woman, um, you know, we've been able to ask our community to help us as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've all kind of um, helped each, lift each other up out of this as we are still in it, but right. you know, we lift each other up out of it. Yeah. It does make me happy to hear that. When you talked about the association, like these restaurants coming together, restaurants that I love, mm -hmm. knowing that you all are working together, I love, I really do love to hear that. And not just for yourselves, but for the people working for you. It's Well, yeah, it's if, really we don't have, if we don't have uh, employees, I mean, where, where are we at, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, 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 that's part of owning a small business, too, is, is you are your employees, really. Right. And you can really tell that you care, because when I enter into your restaurant or others that you've mentioned, the staff are so present. They know what's going on. Mm -hmm. They're so kind. I'm like, can, you want to sit down with me? <laughs> you can tell that they like being there. They're, like, laughing together in the kitchen, and you can see the kitchen. And so I really can tell that you all are putting your heart into this. I really like that. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thanks a lot. You know, we were talking about how women continue on. Um, they say that women are sort of built for endurance, that they tend to do really well in long distances and long enduring things. Men go out and they were talking about, they go out and they conquer the world and it's kind of a one, they go out there, but women have spent years like caregiving for years and years and years and years and years and years. And that requires its own courage and, and resilience. It's a different kind. But we don't talk about those stories. The story of that kind of courage and endurance is different. So, I mean, I still want to go out and save the world and with my sword and, you know, Xena warrior princess, here we come. <laughs> but, you know, <clears throat> but there's this different kind of courage and a different kind of resilience that's important mm -hmm. to function as well, you know. And we, if we're going to build community to overcome the pandemic, women are set up for community building. That's how we function. We function as groups. You know, we have to process it. We all have to talk about it. We have to get consensus. And we have to get background. Then we make a decision and we do it. Yep. You know, which may take us longer than we want to, but we'll get there. But that's how we do things. Uh -huh. And if we're going to overcome that, we need a group effort, not as a little less individual and a little more group. Yeah, I, I would say which parts of my wiring have been a benefit to this season. Um, like I was saying earlier, just being able to fully 
let myself emote and feel. And um, like I said, that although there's been silver linings for sure, like completely vulnerably, like um, I feel like I've talked to numerous people uh, how my mental health has taken a hit. Um, and I think, you know, men and women, like I think they handle that very differently. And to our benefit, I think um, I grew up in a house that like, allowed you to fully feel and which I feel like is such a gift to me now um just in a world that's like you know so rough around the edges it's like just meeting those people that allow you to be fully you and fully present in those moments and so um it's just again grown me in compassion um for myself to be like okay this is like a really hard day and and that's okay and um doing that for other people too and not just assuming you know the coffee shop regular walks in and not just assuming the worst but the best in people and giving people the benefit of the doubt and um yeah I think that's that's been the biggest growing curve for me um is actually that's a benefit rather than a hindrance which you know I feel like to always be the one to push through and um, yeah, work ethic isn't the issue. It's more so like, hey, I just want to move through life authentically. And um, sometimes that means like, I'm not going to be on, you know, and um, some days that's going to be really hard to be the best version of myself. But um, I think just having a, a literal worldwide experience um, has been you know, a weird way of bringing people together and pushing people towards, hopefully, towards compassion rather than than not. I hope so. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like it's a moment for it. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with when you really are having the hard day and you might need to take a little time or take a break? Are you good about saying that to yourself? I mean, are we talking mentally or physically here? Well, I guess you know, a little bit about <laughs> well, either one. They're kind of connected. Yeah. yeah, they're definitely connected. Yes. I mean, the, mod the, the mind and the body are definitely connected. Um, I don't. I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, it's um, it's been a, such a roller coaster ride for the past two years, and we've definitely needed breaks. Um, you know, at some point, we just decided a few times this past year uh, we just closed the restaurant. My sister got married. That was a good thing last year. And we were able to go to North Carolina. Um, but we closed the restaurant for a week. Pre-pandemic, we would have never done that. Mm -hmm. But we just had to walk away and just be like, you know, we need to go and enjoy this time with family. Wow. It's important. So, yeah, you know, the restaurant wasn't in a place where it couldn't run itself. Take care of ourselves, I guess. The conversation with the owners of Mockingbird Kitchen, Lee Helm and Chef Chrissy Sanderson, and last month's Lunch Hour musical performer Mia Jeldum, was moderated by KUAF's Lee Wood and Cerinthia McLennan, the host of the upcoming new KUAF3 show, The Space. The conversation was recorded at the studios of Lens Audio on the Fayetteville Square. We have a link to the entire podcast, and that includes music from Mia in the KUAF lobby, as recorded by Lens Audio at OzarksAtLarge.com. The Lunch Hour returns this Friday at KUAF with an intimate performance by Amore in our lobby. Food will be provided by Secondhand Smoke. Masks and registration are required for the performance. You can find out more by going to KUAF.com. Walton Arts Center's 10 by 10 Arts Series presents The Adventures of Prince Ahmed on Thursday, February 17th, the oldest surviving full-length animated film from the collection of Middle Eastern folktales, 1001 Nights, is brought to life by the multi-string quartet Invoke, performing the score live on stage. WaltonArtsCenter.org or 
443-5600 for tickets. This is Ozarks at Large. With me is Catherine Shields, our militant group band. Welcome back, Catherine. Thanks. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Idioms. Idioms. With everyday idioms, we, uh, we first language English speakers often use, much to the confusion of second language speakers. And we pick up with a nod to an annual event that used to mark the beginning of spring in Arkansas, but now it's just all the time in hot springs. Well, oh, the Oakland racing. Yeah, now the track. They, just, they race all the time. Yeah, they did it New Year's Day. Yeah. So what idiom means that you're getting information directly from the most reliable source? I got that straight from the horse's mouth. That's right. And where do you think it might have originated? I bet it's when someone was trying to sell a horse and you'd lift it up and look at the teeth and make sure it was healthy. That's right. It's said to come from the 1900s when buyers could determine a horse's age by examining its teeth. And then, of course, if you look a gift horse in the mouth... That comes right after it. Yeah, That's right. Like, mm-hmm. if someone's just giving you the horse, don't insult them by looking at it. Just take the horse. Right. It's considered bad etiquette. Yeah. Speaking of horses, uh-huh. what does hands down mean? Easily determined, or it's a fact, or it's a... Without an effort. Yeah. yeah. Without effort, by far. Winning hands down once referred to 19th century horse racing, when a jockey could remove his hands from the reins and still win the race because he was so far ahead. Wow. I, I like that. I, I, I do, too, but boy, I would never I mean, I'm, I'm, Of course, the way I ride, I'm hanging on yeah. to the horn, you know. <laughs> Have you ever looked at horses' teeth? They're huge. Oh, yeah. I, I don't go yeah. near them. I'm <laughs> sure really? they're very fine animals, but oh, I stay far away. <clears throat> if I tell you that something really got my goat, am I worried about farm theft? No, you are. <laughs> no. It just annoys you, and mm. you can't let it go. Right. This one also comes from horse racing. Jockeys placed goats in the stable with their horses, uh-huh. as this was said to relax the horses. Oh, I love that. Oh, and then, so if I wanted your horse to be upset uh, before the race, you I'd go. steal your goat. Competitors would remove the goats, get their goats, huh. to spook the horses, hoping they would lose the race. Well, that's mean. <laughs> okay, enough horse racing. Yeah. <clears throat> if something you want is really expensive, what might what idiom might express that? Really expensive. Going to cost me an arm and a leg. There you go. Now, here's an origin story I'll need to check out the next time I visit Crystal Bridges. Okay. The story goes that this phrase originated from 18th century paintings, as famous people like George Washington would have their portraits done without certain limbs showing. So they'd put them behind their backs Hmm. or whatever. Having limbs is said to cost more. <laughs> the painter well charges you more to paint them. Because there's more to paint. Yeah. Yeah. I Certainly mean, more detail. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to look at when I go to Crystal Bridges yeah. and see how many of them. You know, and, and back then people often stood with their hands sure. clasped behind their back. How about that? <laughs> I get it. Okay, Kyle, we know this idiom isn't an ancient one. What does it mean? To jump the shark. I actually once interviewed the person who coined this. Oh, you did? I did. Uh, that when particularly an entertainment, a, a television show, has gone beyond um, being good or it, it instituted something that 
the the longtime viewers said, okay, I'm done with that show. And it's it, it's often a very beloved show. Yes. That, you know, that that's been on a long yet. time. We really think it's wonderful. Right. Like I still haven't decided when when decided when The Office jumped the shark, but it, it didn't do it too much. But I when Michael ar- left, it was tough. No. Oh, no. I, I would argue that it never jumped the shark. Oh, yeah? yeah. I, I, I liked with that. I liked Robert California played by um, yeah yeah oh, yeah Spader uh, James Spader uh-huh, yeah. yeah I liked yeah. it all the way to the yeah. end but I do know people felt yeah and that's usually it a cast member leaves or right is okay added. but so now let's talk about the origin so like I said years ago I interviewed the fellow uh-huh. who did this because he had a website at that point he still may but it's Fonzie on Happy Days mm-hmm. and it was a two parter maybe even the season <laughs> finale and. He they, has accepted this challenge to literally, on water skis, jump over a shark. They went to some coastal vacation thing. Generally, if you add a small child, <laughs> you've jumped the shark, right? Like hmm. like it was a show that had children, and then they've gotten too old to be, quote, cute, mm-hmm. and you throw in the nephew. Uh-huh. Or if you go to some balmy climate yeah. for a vacation <laughs> show. But yeah, it's literally Fonzie was yeah, jumping he the jumped, shark. He yeah. jumped on, on, on water skis. He jumped over a shark, yeah. All right. Um, The origin story given for the next idiom may sound familiar to you, being the son of a bartender. Yes. But word genius, which is where I got these, uh, although it acknowledges that there are many origin stories for this idiom, chose the one that is, quote, the most fun. Okay. Uh, So I'm pretty sure the idiom originated with my profession, working in newspaper world. But before we talk about its origin, okay. how do you use the idiom minding your P's and Q's? You're making sure everything is right. It's like crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, being on your best behavior, yes. Yeah. Okay, so do you know the bartender thing? Pines and quarts. Mm-hmm. Right. So my, so you don't pour the out of the wrong right. thing. But or, did, did your father mark them with P and Q? I don't know if he did, but I've seen it in bars. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Okay. definitely. I had never heard of that. Uh, are you familiar with the origin story that I prefer? I, that would be linotype, right? Yes. The, you'd right. have to literally get a P or a Q mm-hmm, out, mm-hmm. and you didn't want to get those mm-hmm. confused. And just to correct your linotype is is a machine. You're talking oh, about letterpress. Letterpress, mm-hmm. right, yeah. right, 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 right. <clears throat> Long before computers came along, newspapers were printed in hot type, yeah. type, that was cast in lead. The individual letters were stored in what was known as a California job case. The metal letters were inked and paper was placed on top of them so that applying pressure would transfer the ink from the type to the paper. Of course, to make the letters appear readable, the type had to be backward. Right. And uh, imagine a cartoon version of how a kid writes with backward R's and stuff like that. Before linotype machines automated the casting of letters, the letters were set piece by piece Mm -hmm. in a composing stick. As one reached into the job case, it was important to distinguish among the letters that could fool the eye. Is that a lowercase b or a d? Is that a capital I or a 1? And to the point here, is that a lowercase p or q? Right. So you had to mind your P's and Q's. Now, I think that's... That's got to be it. <laughs> right. <laughs> One thing, it would be oh, probably older. I don't know. Did they have pints and quarts back in saloon days? Oh, I'm there? sure they did. You think they had different yeah. size bottles? You know, you could merge them. Like, if you've had too much from the P's and Q's, <laughs> you will not be able to mind the other that's P's right, and Q's. That's right, for sure. <laughs> Okay, it seems to me, Kyle, that there's a lot of this going on these days concerning COVID. What does it mean 
to turn a blind eye. Oh, you know something's happening, but you're not going to raise any issues about it. To consciously ignore yeah. unwanted information. Yeah. The origin story is a sad but funny one. It is said to originate with Admiral Horatio Nelson. Really? Mm-hmm. He allegedly looked through the telescope using his blind eye <laughs> to avoid signals from his superior telling him to withdraw from battle. <laughs> oh. So people would think he was right. looking, but he, didn't see he it. couldn't see it. And he could honestly not lie and say, I didn't see that signal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What does armed to the teeth mean? You are... You've got everything you need. Extremely well equipped. Some. Yeah. Yeah. So if a weapon carrier wanted to be extremely well equipped, what might he have to do? Okay, so he wants a lot of weapons. Maybe put a knife in his That's mouth? That's it. Like That's a pirate, it. a That's buccaneer. Right. Okay. The idea behind being armed to the teeth is that he would carry the maximum number of weapons, so many that he would be forced to carry some between his teeth. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, how he's going to use all those at say. one point. <laughs> Kyle, I'm going to do everything I can do to make my project successful. Speaking idiomatically, what am I going to do? I'm going to do everything. Mm-hmm. You leave no stone unturned. No, that, that would be a good one, but that's not it. Uh, it has to do with a musical instrument. Pull out the stops. Pull out all the Pull stops. Pull out all the stops. An That's organ. right. That's yeah. right. My cousin would know this one. Before her retirement, she was a church organ scholar and professor in Connecticut. The phrase refers to when the stops are pulled out to turn all the sounds in an organ on, meaning that it would be louder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Kyle. That's all she wrote. <laughs> all right. Our Milton grammarian is Catherine Sherald's. It's that time of year when seemingly almost every collegiate sport is in some phase of a season. The Arkansas Razorback men's winning streak, basketball winning streak, is over, but a new one can be begin tonight. The Razorbacks lost by a point Saturday at Alabama. That loss ended a nine-game winning stretch that included last week's upset of number 1 Auburn. Arkansas is 19-6 and six and will try to corral that losing streak at just one with a win at Missouri tonight. The Razorbacks defeated the Tigers by 43 points earlier this year in Fayetteville. And the Hogs, by the way, have returned to the Associated Press Top 25, landing at number 23 in yesterday's new poll. The Razorback women's basketball team now 16-5 overall, 6-5 in the SEC after winning at Missouri Sunday. Arkansas will be at Florida Thursday night. Basketball season's quickly moving toward the end of the regular season for the John Brown University teams. Two games left before the start of the Sooner Athletic Conference tournament later this month. Thursday night, the teams are at Oklahoma Science and Arts. And then the regular season ends Saturday afternoon in Bill George Arena in Salem Springs with games against Texas Wesleyan. JBU men enter this final week with a 17-11 and 11 record. Women are 14-14. And, and the University of Arkansas Fort Smith basketball teams have four games left in the regular season, including the last two home dates of the year this week. UAFS will host Angelo State for games Thursday night, then Texas Permian Basin Saturday afternoon. The UAFS women are 7-13. The men are 12-10. and 10. 
Finally, the Arkansas women's indoor track team is ranked third in the latest poll. The U of A men's team ranked fifth. Jacqueline Weersman Mosley is a professor of human development and family sciences at the University of Arkansas. She researches violence against women and recently published a study with one of her students about violence by NFL players off the field and how the league addresses these offenses. She says that most fans may already realize the NFL has a bigger problem with off-field violence than other professional sports, but the case of Ray Rice really brought attention to the issue. Just hearing about the story, people really didn't think much about it, but it was when there was a video that was released. And there are some cases where videos are released, or pictures, right, when you see the victim. And I think that's powerful these days, is that social media and obviously really well-done journalism is helping us see it. So we know it's out there. You can hear Weersman Mosley talk more about the study in the latest Short Talks from the Hill, a research podcast of the University of Arkansas. Listen at KUAF.com or ArkansasResearch.UARC.edu. Tomorrow on Ozarks, a seventh season of OCOTV, highlighting Cherokee stories of all kinds, is underway. Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith has that for us tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. And you can always ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. I'm Scott Tong. In a new memoir, The Impossible City, Hong Kong millennial Karen Chung reflects on her generation as the Chinese government cracks down on freedoms. Our mental health isn't the best at times. There have been a lot of moments of holding each other and being like, okay, what are we going to do next? Next time on Here and Now. Here and Now, beginning in just a moment at 1 o'clock on KUAF. You can listen to us from anywhere by using the free KUAF app. This is Ozarks at Large. Earlier this hour, we promised a bit more from Orson Weems, the executive director and co-founder of the Music Education Initiative. The group is doing more than working to expand the music and entertainment workforce in our region. We have been fortunate to bring and be uh, awarded a what we call an exhibit that uh, the Mid-America Arts Alliance out of Kansas City has given me a contract for us to bring a exhibit called A Cast of Blues. And this exhibit has been touring since 2014. And I think they'll, it's a 10-year tour. And I just happened to have some information shared with me uh, from, from a, just a preeminent scholar in the in the southern folklore and he was sharing some information with me and I saw this and I contacted him and this exhibit is uh, a cast of blues which recognizes a uh, blues legends and that have either are still living or have passed on and what they have provided to this authentic art form of music in the blues of Mississippi Delta blues, or the Delta blues, if you will. And uh, this is a, a blind artist that uh, she at one time was a, she was a corporate flight attendant. And on one of her trips, uh, she noticed that her vision was getting blurred and she ended up going blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so she decided to go and feel her art and she decided to sculpt and create these cast of blues legends. And uh, she put this tour on out of, uh, I think the originals are at Delta State University and, and in Mississippi. And, and she, is that? I think they're in Clarksdale. Clarksdale, okay. 
Clarksdale or Cleveland? Cleveland, I okay. think, because they're, 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 they share almost share a campus with the Grammy Museum. It's Cleveland, Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. And, and the, the, this artist put together this exhibit, and it's been touring, and it's a seven-week exhibit. Uh, we're going to have it in Springdale at the uh, 214 building, which is Cash and Cash, uh, create, Cash Create. As we say, is uh, they they were generous enough to allow us to use the gallery in the 214 building, which is the former art center of the Ozarks, to host this exhibit for seven weeks. So I'm still looking for uh, sponsors and, and supporters and donors for this or uh, for this exhibit, and we'll have more of it on our website soon. It's called a Cast of Blues. It's a Mid America Arts Alliance exhibit, and it's exciting. It's we're going to start. Um, I think the, the, we'll open the doors to that on April 14th, and it'll go through May 26th. Okay. Uh, and so it's downtown Springdale. Orson Weems is the executive director and co-founder of the Music Education Initiative, and the exhibit A Cast of Blues will be at 214, formerly the Art Center of the Ozarks, in downtown Springdale this spring. Sona, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, continues its main stage season Saturday, February 26th at Walton Arts Center. Featuring guest artist Sandeep Das, performing Deniku Jarakna's Tabla Concerto, presented alongside Grajina Batsevich's Overture for Orchestra and Schumann's Second Symphony. Tickets available at 443-5600 or sonamusic.org. This is 91.3 KUAF. Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Elkins. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF, and KUAF is a listener-supported service of the University of Arkansas. Timothy Dennis produced today's show inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors included Catherine Schultz and Lee Wood. The Lunch Hour podcast is put together by Jasper Logan, KUAF's community director, and it is filmed by the talented people at Lens Audio, located on the Fayetteville Square. The conversations between Roby Brock, from our partner Talk Business and Politics, and John Brummett, a political columnist with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, are part of our ongoing partnership at Talk Business and Politics. You can see that entire conversation at talkbusiness.net. Rachel Sanchez-Smith provided assistance in getting today's show on the air. Additional material today provided by the news team at KUAR, Public Radio for Central Arkansas and Little Rock. Our theme is titled The First to Raw. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. You can find out more about Daryl wherever you find out more about music online. We'll be back with you tomorrow at noon and 7 with a brand new Wednesday edition of Ozarks at Large. You can find past episodes, interviews, and stories at our place on the web, ozarksatlarge.com. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks for being with us.